0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of The Problem with Reading. I'm Brevin. I'm Stephen. And we are Samless. Once again, tragedy strikes, and it is merely us two uh, boys here to keep you company today. But we're this is long overdue, Stephen. We have taken our sweet time, haven't we?
1: It has been far too long. The, uh, the Both Brevin and I are exiting the trenches of grad school spring semester, and uh, very very i'm I'm personally very glad to to be to be out and uh back on the podcast
0: it is quite a relief although i think we've we've chatted about this a bit which is just to say as in my case it's because i'm working and also doing school at the same time -time, full-time full-time and in your case it's because you're doing physics like and math like a madman uh but you really do get in this vibe or this mode of you know, 16, 14 hour work days where you're just on all the time. And now with the possibility of the thing, the stuff in the evening going away where I have to go read for class the next day or write a paper, or whatever. I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with all that time. Uh, but I like sort of can't without the external pressure, I can't imagine I will do anything productive.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it, it really is fascinating. Um, it, it, I guess two thoughts on that. First, there is something very Walker Percy esque about the like, all of a sudden there's nothing left. It's uh, his problem with problem of re-entry. So you you've transcended and now you're you're coming back in and what what do you do? How do you do that? It's it's not exactly that because he was more talking about some sort of transcendent experience that has kind of elevated you and made you be able to see the world differently. Whereas this is just more we have lots more free time. But at the same time, there is something about that operating at just peak efficiency uh, just really really crushing whatever topic, whatever, whatever area you're studying. Mm -hmm. And then it's all over. You walk home. There's no
0: incentive system. There's no Mm -hmm. deliverables. There's no reason to be your maximalist self, which is also, you know, I, I I mean, I I know you're not the biggest fan of Jordan Peterson, Steven, but there is something that, that I've, I've heard him say at some point, which is, you know. Uh, you want to find meaning in life, go adopt as much responsibility as possible and fulfill it. And that is sort of, uh, you know, for uh, in terms of adopting as much responsibility as possible, you are trying to understand like theoretical f- physics waves and in, in another nonsense. And that is quite a bit of responsibility that that's a lot asking you to rise to the occasion. And we mm-hmm. surprise ourselves when we force ourselves to do as much as we can.
1: No, I, I I think he's absolutely spot on with with that. The idea that like if you want meaning in your life, sitting around playing video games is not the way to do it. Go go on an adventure. Go find meaning. Go go adopt responsibility. Just like just like you said. Um, for for what it's worth, my attitude towards Peterson is I think I want to say similar to your attitude towards C.S. Lewis in that like he's fine, he's great, he just hasn't contributed anything new. Um, hmm. and unlike C.S. Lewis, I I just really can't stand Peterson fans. Um, that is I fair. Guess, I guess now including yourself, so great, good job.
0: But no, I would not consider myself a Peterson head, and I will agree that the worst of the the worst of them are uh, not a good luck, much like any um, uh, cult. I mean, that's true. Cult of but, personality. Like-
1: Every single time I listen to anything Peterson, the next week, my entire YouTube feed is just filled with like, this is why you should be a, an alpha male or whatever. It's just like, I don't I don't want this. I just wanted to hear what his thoughts were on this. And No, no, how... Stephen,
0: the new thing is you need to be a sigma male. Uh, oh, sigma male. Yes. But also, if you uh, listen to Peterson and, you know, would get off your lazy butt, you wouldn't be watching YouTube videos, so it wouldn't matter to you anyway. So I think we see who's really at fault here. Uh, That's actually a solid point. (laughs) But speaking of being at fault, uh, what are you drinking right now?
1: I am drinking some coffee with uh, cream and honey, uh, which is just, it remains to this day, my favorite combination. Uh, Coffee with cream, fine. Coffee, fine coffee with cream and honey oh that's good stuff
0: did you ever read the rangers apprentice series i didn't know that was that was a series i never got into yeah i read actually almost all of them except for the last ones where the main characters get old and sad and their love interests die and stuff but the uh um but i read pretty much all of them and i and i if i don't miss my guess a reoccurring thing in those is the rangers drink coffee which is like this it's like you know medieval england setting sort of um but uh surprisingly um cosmopolitan in terms of the degree to which they're able to get to like they end up in the equivalent of japan which in medieval england is not going to happen but whatever it's fine um the uh, but one reoccurring thing if i recall is coffee which the the characters main characters drink all the time is this you know mysterious crazy thing oh you weirdos what is this drink you're drinking it tastes horrible uh but they put honey in it and that's always seemed super weird to me, but now that you've affirmed that, I might need to try like cream and honey just sometime because I've I've never tried it, but it 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 sounds interesting.
1: No, it's it's excellent. I I'm actually not sure. I think I've only had coffee with honey, no cream, once or twice, but I don't recall it actually agreeing all that well with me. Um, hmm. It's some combination of the cream and honey maybe it's something 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 Old Testament land flowing with milk and honey like maybe maybe that's the the golden golden zone right there yeah that's
0: what I was gonna say like the good book doesn't say the land is overflowing with you know almond milk and corn syrup it says milk and honey so you know right. that that might be a bit of a indication of the um uh the best way to go which uh, on a
1: side note almond milk in coffee I hate it. I just, it, it's awful. It, I have tried it multiple times, like over, over Lent when we, you know, milk's off the table. Um, my, my church would oftentimes have almond milk. And I would try over and over, like, no, I I guess, I'm guessing I just had some bad almond milk or whatever. No, it's gross. I can't stand it.
0: See, I don't hate it. The almond and coconut oak, sorry, not oak, oak milk, ha, but no, oat <laughs> oat milk. Um, I don't love for whatever reason, which I may have just never not had, or I may have never had good oat milk, but- Like coconut milk substitute, almond milk substitute, I don't mind because I I definitely, I normally just drink my coffee black. The hint of like the coconut or the almond, I, I really don't mind.
1: Oh yeah, what are you drinking?
0: Yeah, it's a fair question. Uh, I am drinking Clear Splash Key Lime uh, Giant Superstore brand um, flavored sparkling water beverage with other natural flavors um, over a large glass of ice. Only reason I have this, normally I I would drink seltzer. But for whatever reason, this garbage drink with its you know fake aspartame taste or whatever is and zero added sugar I might add, uh is cheaper than just like on just like lime flavored seltzer water, uh, which is a horrible thing about our society I guess it's like a full dollar cheaper, uh and I'm cheap so we're drinking this instead of seltzer like we should be. I respect that. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't. Uh,
1: You're not wrong. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, I don't have a transition here, but our topic today is sort of, uh, and the reason why we, uh, aren't letting Sam on this podcast, despite the fact that he begged to be here, uh, is because this is a college themed podcast, uh, sort of, uh, thematically grad school, cause we're both finishing up our semester, uh, but also we'll probably touch on some undergrad too. Um, and, uh, so in, in light of that, uh, Stephen, how do you, how do you feel? How's your, how's your feelings about uh, finishing up this semester?
1: Uh, I I know the answer you're wanting me to go with, and it's sad, but more tired. Actually, no, maybe I am sad, like tired. D- just just kind of in a maloo, a malaise, uh, as it were. Um, I'm not sure. Actually, did I pronounce either of those r- words right?
0: It's milieu and Mil- malaise. You. I think you did got, but you okay. should have just like leaned do it, leaned into the absurdity and say, I'm in a mayonnaise of despair. <laughs> um, but speaking of being in a mayonnaise of despair, uh, our first article that we're tangentially using as a launch topic is uh, from the Washington Post from a couple of years ago, uh, 2017. Jeez, five years ago, oh, my God. Uh, and uh, it's it's called, There's Such a Thing as Post-Graduation Depression. I know, I had it. Um, and there's we mostly just want to use that as a launching off point, but uh, the article just more or less goes into uh, all of the stressors, uh, that come on people, uh, specifically after undergrad is, is the context for this article. Um, and coming out of it, how students are leaving sort of like we're saying this place of external motivation, uh, undergraduate students are leaving, uh, college, which if it was a positive experience, you know, is a, as the article says, it's a cocoon of sorts. You have friends, you have teachers, you have mentors, you have, uh, you know, infinite potentiality. Uh, that That isn't really fully manifested, but, you know, you're just, you know, you're a beautiful little sunspot and you can do anything that, that you want. Um, but then once you leave that, you often go back to, uh, you know, your previous hometown or if you stay where your college was, uh, then half of your friends go back to their hometowns or maybe, uh, you know, you go to a, a new city and you have to start a whole new life there and you lose So much of this experience that you've been used to, which can cause a lot of uh, psychological distress on people. And it's apparently more and more common thing, you know, going from this maximal community sort of maximal to be somewhat cynical, sort of LARPing as a rich person or as landed gentry to go from that back to being a a normal person uh, can be quite the shock and quite the, quite the sad one.
1: Yeah. It's, it really is a fascinating article. And I, well, first, with the title, I, I actually missed that it was the the Washington Post. I I totally expected like a BuzzFeed uh sort of thing or BuzzFeed adjacent. Um that that's just what the title seemed to be. But I, I think it is touching on an important topic. And I mean, I certainly remember when I graduated undergrad. Um I, I remember just being absolutely a wreck. Uh and to an extent I, I like I knew what was coming, uh, because I had I had interned uh the, the previous year in, or the the previous summer for my junior senior year in Fargo. And lived lived on my own. I had some friends, some fellow intern friends that were actually pretty cool, and I like I'm still in contact with one of them. Uh, but still realizing that even that community, which was a pretty tight knit one. I mean, we we got lunches every day. We we hung out most weekends. It was kind of a pale shadow of the sort of community that I had at SAU. And so, like the entire my entire senior year, like I saw it coming. Like, and there really was something kind of horrifying about that. And then finally when I graduated, when I moved out to Seattle, I mean, it was exactly what I expected. Like, yeah, you're just kind of alone in your apartment. You go to work, you go home and this is like, it's amazing. Like, yes, something, something Stevens and David Foster for Wallace fanboy, but like him saying that there is, it it is a very real battle when you leave to, to keep kind of keep from despair. Just keep like, keep, uh, I don't know, live, uh, keep living. Um, not, not. I mean, for him, in a in a very real sense, sadly, but uh in a in a very practical, like to keep thinking, to keep to 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 keep intentional about how you think, uh, because the default setting of the of the post college life it just kind of grinds you down.
0: No, yeah, that is something that I potentially want to um, talk about later when we go into the 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 Scruton article, which is that college is a place where sort of the activity that you're ostensibly doing is actively thinking, actively always, you know. Something, something, there's politics on campus too, politics hardened over the course of your time on, on campus, but especially post-college, it seems like a trend among probably more acquaintances of mine than than close friends or anything, but some but some friends too, where there is not so much that people keep thinking out their positions and their views on life, but just sort of a regression back towards whatever, like, you know, sort of default cultural, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, mainstream media, about, you know, just sort of default college uh, grad viewpoints on things. It's just sort of, um, uh, for lack of a better term, boring, but mostly just like it, it's no thought behind it. it, it it's the perspective that you end up when you're ground down and you just need to give an answer to whatever's most readily uh, already at hand.
1: You know, that—that's That's actually really spot on because it, it, two thoughts mainly come to mind on that. The first one of the the best things about undergrad, and granted, I went to a fairly conservative um, school, but even so, like there were a, a fairly wide spectrum of political beliefs amongst the students and faculty, and I remember that being one of the de- the, the delightful things is that like conversations would still happen that across the aisle, I, I would talk with somebody who was much farther left than me or much farther right than me, and even if I disagreed with them, even if I really didn't like what they were saying, those conversations were still happening
0: because it's mediated in- by the college space, which is explicitly. A, a place where there's supposed to be that exchange of ideas and the, and or the competition of ideas.
1: Precisely. And so it, I mean, the, the, the term safe space gets thrown around and kind of misappropriated, but like the college really is a quote unquote safe space to go practice your ideas in, in a lot of ways, it is an ivory tower. It's supposed to be kind of isolated, kind of bubbly, but in some ways that's a good thing. Like there should be a space where you can go and just think and just bounce ideas off of each other and see what, Kind of see what lasts um and then the the second one to your point on uh, kind of people defaulting to whatever is easiest whatever political sensibility is easiest whatever is fed to them from cnn or fox or or what have you uh that i mean that's spot on uh jock propaganda mm. uh, him, him saying that like it, it, and i've i i've kind of frighteningly enough noticed it happening in myself that like when people are inundated with messaging over and over and over again sure the first time they can fight it off the second time they can fight it off but when it's day in, day out, when all you watch is Fox News or CNN, or all you read is the latest Buzzfeed article or what, or what have you, you, it's only a matter of time. You can't fight it off forever. You are t- you are a single person that only has so much brain power that you can expend per day, and eventually you just start kind of imbibing it, and you start buying into it.
0: No, um, on the uh, ivory tower thing and isolation. I mean, uh, to again homage to what we're gonna talk about next, uh, but Scruton uh, talking about Cardinal Newman's idea of a university. I mean, Newman's ideal is a, uh, to quote the article, a quasi monastic precinct, isolated to allow it to think. Uh, but then now of course we have to insert something, McGilchrist to your left brain, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, the one other point that I wanted to hit on this article is talking about what we all know, which is that social media is bad for everyone, uh, your mental health uh, included. Uh, But there was sort of one phenomenon that I just sort of realized with social media and college environments, which is that what's interesting is when you go to college, you meet a whole bunch of new people, you add them all on social media, and for a short period of time, and I don't probably pretty accurate to say for a normal person different than the rest of your life, everyone you are interacting with and seeing post on social media, you are also interacting with in person on a, on a daily basis, which is a fascinating dynamic that then instantly goes away once you graduate. And suddenly there's gaps in between you and everyone. There's no more connection between the physical person and the online person. And I'm not quite sure what to make of that, except for that almost seems like the one environment, I guess, in which social media is almost or could be like a a value add, almost like more of a public forum with people still sort of vaguely coming in and out of it physically, as opposed to uh, once you're all in different towns, and then it's just like a shouting board instead.
1: No, I actually really like that as social media strikes me as a very left brained idea of what socializing should be like. Uh, It is very clean. It is very words oriented is very I will say my thing, you will say your thing. And there's no implicit. It's all explicit. And as such, on its own, it's quite horrible. But in a sort of integrated community where there is still the non-abstract, there is still the encountering of the other, that is actually what you said, a value add. This is something that can contribute is because this allows you to get to know people more in a different sphere, which is a little bit easier for you to articulate your ideas by typing them out rather than trying to kind of ad hoc in the moment, articulate them. So actually I, t- I totally buy that. And it, that, that does lead me to one of the, the thoughts I had around one of the reasons why post-college uh, depression is a thing is that I, I, I have to wonder 100 years ago, 200 years ago, would post-college depression be a thing? If we could kind of magically teleport mm. the institution we know as college back then with integrated communities if that this would still be kind of the horrifying post post-college depression, because I I have to imagine that the main loss or the, the main sadness isn't just LARPing as a rich person, though there is something to that. I mean, you are dropping hundreds of thousands of dollars, potentially. I mean, you're dropping a fair amount of money to go not have to worry about money for four, for four years. And then the real practicalities of life set in and something, something David Foster Wallace, this is water. Um, but but, but the idea that an in integrated community, the only time we really have a shot at that is college. Maybe maybe there are a few people that are an exception. Uh, if there is anyone let me know because that uh, that that sounds pretty great. But even small town, even like small town Spring Harbor where I grew up, it's still very abstract. like sure, I would see my neighbors every so often, but I didn't know most of my neighbors. Um, and that's small town America that's still very abstract, much less big city or what have you the uh, that, that that is just abstractified on the whole. So I have to wonder if the, the post-college depression is primarily the loss of community, which the top, the article brought up.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's potentially a thing. And then, and then, of course, caveat to all that, that social media in college can also be horrible, blah, blah, no, blah, okay. depression, although uh, fights on the anonymous confessions pages are always the best. I, I love those. Oh, uh, but in terms of integrated community, Stephen, uh, my retirement plan still is to you know start a cult in West Virginia. Uh, so you're always welcome to be like my uh, consigliere or something.
1: Um, so do, do I have to bring my own goat, or do you provide the goat?
0: Uh no, you do have to bring your own goat. Well, yeah,
1: yeah, you definitely. Well, I mean, I, I think I know a guy who has some goats, so I, I could bring one uh, one up. But like, only if I'm like starting out at like level two or three. But you said consigliere, I, I can I can get on board with that.
0: Yeah. 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 You, uh, you'll, 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 uh, since you're a, a, a physics guy, we'll put you in charge of the trebuchet for people who try to set effect.
1: Oh. Um, uh,
0: but, uh, speaking of great ideas, Cardinal Newman wrote the idea of the university, uh, which is the sort of topic of the article that we will be looking at. Uh, sorry, it's an article about the thing that Cardinal Newman wrote, but it's by Roger Scruton, uh, in April, 2015, titled the end of the university. Steven, you want to give us a quick couple sentences about this?
1: Yeah. The, the basic TLDR of this one, it, I, I actually opened it up thinking it was going to be another lambasting of how awful colleges have gotten in, how woke they are and how nonsense ideology has slipped in. And to be fair, it is it is Roger Scruton. He is, you know, the conservative of conservatives, um, in a good he, way, I, I would think. But
0: he wrote a book called "Fools, Frauds, and Firebrands" about every uh, leftist thinker ever. It's, it's
1: Which, great. incidentally, I remember that being our first conversation. That was our, yeah,
0: that was our first conversation, and you liked Sartre, and I was like, "But he's a bad man," because I was reading uh, Scruton mm-hmm. at the time. Which,
1: yep. I mean, I don't think I even said like I liked Sartre. I ju- it was just more like, yeah, his idea of like radical responsibility, I really like, which I stand by, by the way.
0: Listen, you can say that, but he was either a fool, fraud, or firebrand. I don't remember what section he was in. Uh, so, oh, <laughs> uh, it's a bad oh, opinion. Oh,
1: you sure showed me. <laughs> oh man, what a time! What a what time!
0: What a time! Yeah, oh, my God. Uh,
1: yeah, that was, that hold, was...
0: Hold, hold, just pause for a second. That would have been uh, sophomore year. So I guess that was.
1: That was twenty seven years ago?
0: Seven years ago?
1: Jeez, Louise, man! Six or
0: seven years ago? Oh my
1: yeah. god! Yeah, yeah, no, because I graduated twenty fifteen, moved out, moved out to Seattle, and then you visited.
0: Yeah, and I, I remember we were driving in your car. I think maybe to your house, or like you were helping her move something. Anyway, <laughs> uh, wow. Okay, jeez. That, carry uh, on. As <laughs> a kickback, he actually wrote this article that like that same year.
1: Oh, fascinating!
0: Yeah, look at that. Oh, am
1: okay. kidding. Okay. Um, so he certainly does have some of the, the bad ideology slipping in, but his, his main uh, thrust in this was actually uh, kind of a, a pondering of what the point of university is, uh, riffing on Newman. And the idea is that universities used to be these, as Brevin said, quasi monastic uh, uh, situations or uh, uh, setups where people would come in they, and they would study ideas for their own sake. Um, you would go in, you would learn math, you would learn theology, you would learn poetry, you would learn the classics, you would learn Greek, you would learn Latin. None of this was really to get a job. None of this, like a lot of this was like, I, I think he had a, a little throwaway sentence where he was like, yeah, some of these people were just like waiting to inherit their titles. And so we're just kind of chilling at the university. Um, but that was because the point of the university was just to learn these ideas. there, And there was no real practical effect other than these ideas made you a better person. And the shift... Of of the university to a very practical, this is to get you a job, although uh, looking at some of the humanities and uh, some of the various majors, I think even that's questionable. But the idea of you are you are here to acquire the credentials that will get you a job is a radically different idea than uh, that of Neumann or uh, or pretty much any any university pre 1900s. Uh, Na- well, maybe, maybe during the like post and well, no, he even says enlightenment, even the enlightenment thinking, which was a shift to more practical uh, ideas. Even then, it just encouraged the flourishing ideas uh, of ideas, you didn't need this to, uh, to, to get a, a job. So I, I actually found it a really fascinating study in what is the point of university is and to be fair, is there any point that the modern university has? Uh, is there anything to be said for no? We're gonna we're gonna create a structure in which people can come and get really really qualified and then go and uh, get good jobs. Like this this will boost them to the next level. And he he does have a little bit of pondering on uh, kind of the the idea that this was this previous was kind of exclusive. The the, the previous setup was a little exclusive. It was mainly upper class and the, and the lower classes it didn't really have access to it. Um, And it seemed that he kind of threw that away. And so I wouldn't mind us uh, talking about that a little bit more. But uh, on the whole, I thought it was a great uh, kind of pondering of what exactly the idea of university is, where we were, where we're at now, and kind of how to fix it. Um, Yeah. So I don't know, Brennan, what did you think?
0: Yeah, well, just briefly to the question of, you know, like colleges being more open and like, you know, people from lower classes being allowed to enter um, peasants reading, (laughs) enough said.
1: You have got a point there. (laughs) No. Um, you you opened it up and I knew exactly where you were going.
0: Yeah, I'm predictable that way. But anyway, uh no, the the thing I think that I took away um most from this is uh I mean Newman's idea, as he said, is 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 quasi monastic, but also like that is historically what it was. I mean, when you went to university, you also, at least in, in, in England, which I guess is what I'm most familiar with, the historical idea, you know, you were also a clergy member too, basically for the starting period, and then and then over time that changed, and it had a more secular aspect. But that was sort of shaping the whole person. Well,
1: that that's Weaver, right? Weaver saying that it used to be you were the philosophical doctor, and then you were the gentleman, and now you're the expert.
0: Exactly, and there was the the uh, Scruton says that. Or Scruton says that Newman says that the previous idea of the university was to give you the idea that you couldn't gain from the world, which is that things can be intrinsic and have intrinsic value, and that's something that a practical consequential utilitarian world can't necessarily offer you. Or so, so he argues. And the purpose of university has changed, uh, and and the function of it has changed in terms of expertise. I mean, we have a math slash physics PhD on the call, so I mean, there you go, right there. I think the thing that perhaps is most dangerous or the thing that's most annoying, annoying doesn't quite do it justice, uh, but perhaps the thing that risks poisoning us the most is that the function of college has changed, but especially in, it seems like in humanities, in the social sciences to some degree, but probably mostly humanities, is that it still has the penumbra of the previous credibility, that the purpose and function and content of the university has fully changed necessarily uh in in some cases by outside circumstances by technological material forces sometimes by ideological ones but that's changed but the the like i said the the penumbra of credibility is still there when uh it no longer makes the kind of judgments necessary to give it that kind of credibility. Uh, the one uh, one great quote from 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 Scruton here. Uh, he says, "quote I sometimes think that the greatest service to our culture was done by the person who set fire to the library at Alexandria, thereby ensuring nothing survived of the mass of literature other than those works considered so precious that each educated person would, would have a copy of his own." End quote. And that's a very striking thought, which is that the university and us in general, and this is sort of part of the conversation around amusing ourselves. To death as well, we're just inundated with the garbage, and so many things are garbage. And there is no, I mean, it is tragic. And uh, what's the quote like 1% of uh, medieval manuscripts survive, or, or something? And the reason that it survives, part of it's by chance, part of it's by design, which is to say that there are th- the things that people said, you know. If we're pulling one of these out of the burning building, we're taking this one because it's the best. The the clogging over time and the continual buildup of debris, I I, I think with 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 no outlet, eventually gets to what Scruton says is uh, a rite of passage into cultural nothingness. Quote: since this is the only way to achieve the egalitarian goal. End quote. Uh, you know, too much of everything, of functionally equal value, so nothing is worth anything in particular. Nothing's worth actually specifically considering.
1: Well, it's it. Is, it, it he, he does do a good job kind of lambasting a lot of the view that the humanities must be continually publishing, you know, paper after paper after paper, uh, which results in this kind of inundation of block literature that nobody except themselves really care about in the first place. And so that's when he, he brings up, like, man, maybe just having some sort of purging of, like, get rid of all this drivel and let us, like, this has buried all of these beautiful classics, uh, and now people are reading the commentaries rather than reading the classics, and they would be better if they would just read the classics, uh, which I, I, I thought was a, a very kind of well-put idea. Uh, I know C- C.S. Lewis actually brings up the uh, that idea. I forget, and it's in one of his introductions, I think, but pretty much says that people are oftentimes so intimidated by the classics that they don't feel, like, worthy to approach them uh, and instead must read what people have said about them, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I, I thought was a, a fascinating idea. That, and it's kind of sad that, like, education should be the thing bringing these to you. Uh, and instead, they're kind of obfuscating.
0: Yeah. And, and he Scruton does talk about a couple things that he sees as uh, providing sources. Back to that, a couple of universities give a shout-out. Uh, Hillsdale, I think St. John's, somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, the Intercollegiate Studies in, Institute uh isi which i did in 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 undergrad which i would say also um at least in some respects was a was a his description of them was accurate for for me uh as well um steven anything else uh on
1: this or shall we get to the final topic uh no i I had one or two thoughts i i'm I'm trying to recollect them at the moment um yeah uh, i I did want to, to kind of go back on what is the purpose of the university as far as education and uh, training people for various jobs? Because on the one hand, I, on the one hand, I like the idea of a place where you go to think. You just like, there is no practical benefit other than you become a better person for this, which is in some ways extremely practical, but in some ways not very practical at all. It's not going to put bread on the table. You're like, as I well know, my philosophy (laughs) degree is not going to put bread on the table. Um, However, I... You might put bread
0: on someone else's table though.
1: Hey, what did the philosophy major say to the engineer? Would you Uh, like fries with that?
0: (laughs) I like how it's fries. It's not even a good restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Uh, um so on the one hand i really like that and i mean perhaps perhaps if if university was like it was in my uh in my grandpappy's era where he'll uh he, he'll often say to me actually at this point every five minutes because uh you know dementia is starting to set in uh but will delightfully say, uh, kind of twist the knife and say like oh yeah college back in my day was uh i think he said like 50 bucks a semester which he, he like Paid for by like a part time job or something like that, Uh, and so if university were that cheap and it was focused in on ideas, I think that that would be a very worthwhile. I I would gladly go into and even adjust for inflation. I think it'd be a worthwhile thing for four years to to go into five grand of debt just to think and become a better person and. Like sure, work part time and kind of make sure that you're keeping your head above water or what have you. Maybe you have to pay for your own room and board, but that's doable. And I, I think that's a very apropos thing to do. Uh, that doesn't necessarily. And then you walk out four years later with a maybe a degree, maybe not a degree, and you're just kind of now ready to enter life. Um, and sadly, this has become conflated with almost like tra- a, a, an almost view of like trade school. Uh, that colleges need to be trade schools as well, and that maybe there's just an uh, improper coupling of those two.
0: Hmm.
1: And so often, Oh, yes.
0: Well, I was just going to say like the trade school is uh, you know, it, it it just sounds so awkward and modern, but I mean, the real description that we're getting to is you have university and then you just have guilds and bring back the guild system and you have the math, the math petitions guild or the physics, the physickers guild, uh, you you know, (laughs) where there is the, the practical application of, of, knowledge and patting down that way
1: you know i i actually i would take exception to ma- uh, to math because i think i think traditionally uh the the liberal arts actually incorporated math you needed mm. to learn math along with other things um and i think primarily because it's such an abstract concept and it's not useful on it it's on its own i mean mm. other than very basic like sure learn how to add up your, your bill to make sure the merchant isn't cheating you or whatever um but stuff like computer science uh i i would actually contend no uh it is it, like if you want to learn how to code, going to a coding boot camp for the most part is going to be fine. If you want to learn the theory behind computer science, yeah, university is probably a better place for it. But like even then, a guild, uh, some sort of guild where it's just very practical, down to earth. We're going to teach you how to code. Yeah, I think could be it'd be far better. And so maybe maybe we've just unfortunately coupled these two: the idea of university and the idea of guild. And we really should not have coupled.
0: Bring back guilds. That's uh, that's the final conclusion here.
1: Fact. Also, um, uh... incidentally, Newman, I I, I keep like having to do a double take because he's also, there's another famous mathematician named Newman. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, like I, I, he does a lot with uh, uh, partial differential equations and there's a boundary condition named after him. And so I've gotten very used to seeing Newman in a very different context.
0: Very nice. Uh, and I'm sure there's, there's plenty more to say about university. And I could rant about my honors program and uh, you know, the um, uh, Christian theology series that was atrocities, not the right word. Uh, but it was a a, obscenity. Yeah, sure. An obscenity. It heaven cries out for justice. Let's just say that. Um, uh, But let's get to the final section. uh, And I'm sure Sam will make us talk about college on on the next podcast, probably because he's going to feel left out. Um, But (laughs) sorry, Sam. so uh, this is a game, which is uh, just a a brief game. And so Steven, you're just going to need to provide me with uh, a, a rating for these best college graduation gifts of 2022. And there are three levels of ranking based on certain uh, events, parties that used to happen at, at at my house in undergrad. And I don't know if you were present for all these, uh, but the three levels are uh, box wine pong, mystery egg shots, or beet juice disguised as wine. And so you have to rate each of these gifts as one of those three categories. And I don't know which one is the, like, what's the, so if you had to rank those box wine pong, beet juice disguised as wine or mystery egg shots, uh, like what's the best, what's the worst?
1: Interesting, so like, are we doing this in a, like a numeric, like zero to 10, like one is distinctly better, one is distinctly worse, or are we doing this more of like, what what feeling does this evoke? You know what, I actually like that better. This is a
0: qualitative ranking with okay. like, what, what's the best association, so okay. We're gonna, so, we're gonna
1: right hemisphere this up.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I like this a lot. All right, so just one more time, here are the three categories, box wine pong, uh, which of course is just beer pong but with, with box wine, uh mystery egg shots which was our event for easter which i don't know if you were at but we just i missed put, that one. Oh, you Absolutely. missed that one so a whole bunch of both alcohols and also other liquids like barbecue sauce hot sauce uh like pickle juice all, all sorts of random things on little slips of paper in uh eggs and then we hid them over the house and did uh an easter egg hunt and whatever you found you had to make a cocktail with those in them uh, Incredible. And, and then the final one is, is beet juice disguised as wine, which is enough said. Uh, and, and Steven is intimately familiar with this event. All right, so let us
1: get to the. I'm gift. still salty over that.
0: <laughs> well, so was the beet juice. Let's uh, <laughs> let us get to the uh, gifts. So again, the title of this article from the New York Post is "Best Graduation Gifts of 2022: 35 Ideas for." All right, first first one, uh, personalized champagne milestone vase. So it's just a, a vase made out of a champagne b- bottle.
1: It, it, in, I guess, in, incidentally, like, is this GIF, is, it, like...
0: It has, like, a name in, in, imprinted on it. It's, like, glossy.
1: Okay, so it, it, the, the point is, like, you're just going to give me the description, and I'm going to say. Yes, yep. Hmm, it's a champagne bottle, but it's a vase. Yep. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Mystery shot. Mystery Eggshot, okay. Yep, that's uh, the feeling that evokes.
0: How about the Bartesian Cocktail Maker? It's a $400 machine that makes cocktails automatically out of what looks like two and... I'll, actually, it might have room for like six ingredients. So it's it's, it's a robot robot bartender.
1: Ooh, see, that sounds excellent. And what was also excellent? Box wine pong.
0: Good stuff. All right. How about this one? This is the Here for the Burn candle, which is $40. And it's a small candle uh, with the words, adulting, do not disturb on it.
1: You see, I have gotten, it, it, and I was initially kind of on board the whole adulting vibe, but I, I, it's just gotten so played out. It's mm-hmm. it, I, I've gotten kind of tired of hearing adulting. It's like, yeah. You're adult. Yeah, go grow up and be an adult. I uh, and so that irritates me and you know what also irritates me? Mm. Beet juice disguised as wine.
0: Fair enough. Okay. All right, the next gift is the uh Bake Me a Wish congratulation dessert, which is just an expensive uh personalized dessert uh for 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 your uh favorite graduate uh but has the what I think is just I, I I'm I'm just putting this on here cuz it has the unfortunate name of Bake Me a Wish, which just sounds like make a wish, which is just just more, I don't know why you would do that to yourself, to your company.
1: Savage. uh, Yeah, no, that's a good point. The branding, it's just not there.
0: So uh, without the branding, what is this?
1: No, you brought up baking and this only due to the fact that the word baking is in it, but I'm going to go mystery egg shot because eggs are used to bake and unfortunately, like, I've got nothing else.
0: Okay. Uh, How about a -A Build-A-Bear online exclusive Cuddly Brown Bear graduation gift set for $20? Uh, it's a bear with a T-shirt that says "Your future is bright."
1: Sounds tacky and irritating, and sounds like beet juice disguised as wine.
0: Okay, and the final gift. Uh, oh, I you should... realize
1: it's GIF, not gift. gift. Oh wait, no. Oh my gosh. So this entire time, I thought you were saying GIF, and so I thought you were describing gifts to me.
0: No, no. These are gifts to buy <laughs> a, a graduate.
1: But It's pronounced GIF anyway. All right. Okay, that's a religious war. I I have no <laughs> mistaken at all. Both work fine. That right. oh, this colors the whole thing differently.
0: Okay, here is the final giftah, which is a five in one card making kit for kids with uh, some ultra clean washable stampers, some ultra clean washable markers, uh, a bunch of glitter, safety scissors, and construction paper.
1: Are they graduating kindergarten? Beet juice disguises wine.
0: Yes. oh yeah, I sorry, I, I forgot to mention the rest of the article title, which was um, 35 ideas for college, high school, and more, so it, it goes all the way oh, right? okay. from college down to,
1: yeah, yeah. If you're giving, okay, if you're giving, to be fair, if you're giving like a nice stationary set to a college graduate, I consider that classy, and I would, I would go box wine pong, uh, box wine pong. If you're-
0: Crayola is the, and construction paper is the only option, and you have to include the glitter. No, y- no. Yeah, Bee no nice disguises
1: wine,
0: 100%. Okay. Uh, well I I think we actually only had one box wine pong rating uh and I think which what was which that Which one was
1: that again? And, and oh it was the uh the 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 mixer the like or the the automatic mixer which yeah, incidentally while cool I actually contend this actually that's not really a great gift. It's no, yeah. Uh for a graduation gift that just feels weird.
0: It's $400 you have to like put the alcohol into specialized bottles which I can only imagine sort of like maybe it probably doesn't make it go stale, but also like you should just know how to make it yourself. Yeah.
1: Like it's not that I'm guessing this is not also going to be making super complicated cocktails. Like
0: no, just simple mixes. It has at to At this
1: point, just buy a $20 mixer or shaker and you're, you're set.
0: Yeah, and buy, well, so- buy buy a $20 shaker set and uh, $380 worth of alcohol, and that'll be infinitely better than this $400 machine.
1: Exactly. Also, I just feel like it's weird messaging, like, congratulations, you graduated, now go drink.
0: Yeah, yeah, go to your apartment where you live by yourself and see all your friends on social media who have better lives than you. Uh, have at it, Slugger. Enjoy life <laughs>
1: post-college. Pretty much. Also, Good. Good. I- I, I have mixed feelings, because on the one hand, I want to take the test again, now no gifts. Um, <laughs> on the other hand, I kind of like that this happened. Uh, are we going to rant? Because I have a college-related rant.
0: Sorry. yeah You are correct. Here I am. See, Sam being gone, just, it throws off my, my it, it whole does. rhythm. Yeah. Well, just... here's,
1: here's the good news. Everyone's going to have heard that Sam was gone, and therefore no one's going to listen to this episode. Oh, thank God. Anyway, you're yeah, we're, right. We're so, I have a rant, and I'm, I'm going to qualify this rant with I'm ranting about an individual and her brother. This individual, hands down, I would not have done nearly as well in physics if it hadn't been for her and uh, and another friend. We were a study group. They both helped me out a lot. I was completely out of my depths and they were both very helpful. So I'm going to be lightheartedly poking fun at, at this individual and her brother, but like on the whole, I'm actually quite in debt to uh, her and, and our other friends. So with all that said, this individual invited me and our other so you group member to her house and going to make some authentic t- Turkish cuisine. So we, we show up, we help make it, we prepare it. It is, it is delicious. And I notice one, one, one kind of peculiar thing is that she has like a communist flag hanging up. And between that and a few other kind of side comments, I get the impression like kind of typical young college kid that like really thinks communism is cool. I didn't. I didn't bring it up. I'm not going to stir up any trouble. I just kind of think it's silly, but like silly, but probably harmless or whatever. Um, and then after after a delicious meal, uh, this I mean this was good stuff. Um, we sit down and uh, like they have been telling me about this video game that they that they both play. Um, my 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 two study friends, and uh, so she she turns it on. And like we're gonna we're just gonna play some video games. I'm gonna watch them play. It's gonna be great. And her brother's on and so they they hop on a voice call and we're we're talking and her uh, her brother is a uh, a senior uh he's about to graduate very exciting congratulations to him if he ever hears this we're, we're, we're chatting and i find out he's a poli-sci major which is cool um uh i mean you know i i know some poli-sci majors that, but uh and he asked me what my, my background was in I, I mentioned that i had a degree and he's like oh Cool, your philosophy? So you must love communism. And I, I just remember being so taken aback, like not offended or anything, just like what on earth would make you think that? Like philosophy equals communism? I, I just don't understand. That's like me saying, Oh, you like psychology? You might you must like I I don't know, like you must like The lighthouse,
0: crypto anarchist.
1: Yeah, it's like, what does that have to do with anything? And I, I mean, I kind of lightheartedly chuckle. I'm like, ah, not, not really. He's like, oh, why not? I was like, not a huge fan of gulags, and both he and uh his sister kind of both groan and like, no, that's not fair. You're not. And I'm like, okay, fine, fine, fine. Good faith. I'll do some intellectualizing here, and I pretty much, I start out with saying hey like uh so he's so I start out with saying like well I'm not a huge fan of its its conceptual framework its intellectual framework it's a very modern idea to which both of them start objecting like no it's not it's it's actually a pretty old idea And I'm like no no it was developed so modernity is a period of time in the 1800s where you have various ideas as progress and it's very optimistic it's very much thinking and have you heard of the Hegelian dialectic okay you have poli side major how okay and like had to kind of explain like okay so this is modernity this is post-modernity this is post-post-modernity i i i think that a lot of the the horrors of world war ii led up by modernism i'm just very skeptical of anything that is modern and and pretty much had a very brief conversation around that and all of that to say it was a very amusing story obviously well-meaning kid he's gonna be fine but um, the main the main issue is like what what, what sort of things are being taught at universities where you just associate philosophy with communism. And also, you're a huge fan of communism, but have no idea what modernism or Hegelian dialectic is. like. And th- so this just strikes me as a bunch of ideas being given without context. And if you want to teach kids about communism, if you like communism, I think you're wrong, but fine, fair enough. But at least give them a framework that communism is built out of. But clearly this kid who is a poli-sci major didn't have any sort of conceptual framework around what communism, one of the biggest political frameworks out there, didn't have any idea what the political framework was. And so I, I just, I, I remember walk, walking away with just kind of, kind of a chuckle, but kind of a weird, eerie feeling that this is the stuff that's being peddled. And it just, it, it felt weird. And so I, I didn't like it. I didn't care for it.
0: Yeah, I, I mean something. Something meme politics uh, is is uh, quite the probably most common educator of uh, this this age, and uh, not a thorough one. Not a thorough one. Uh, communism sure. is is free stuff and other political priorities that I like. Um, but speaking of the working class, I guess, or at least labor well done uh i recently moved into a relatively new um uh condo well it's new for me not new for the person who previously lived there uh but condo and we had the floors redone uh to be just some wood you know uh budgeted as best we put as best we could but, but got some wood floors in they're they're pretty nice i'm I'm very happy with it much better than carpet carpet floors are garbage after a couple month or two uh we noticed that there are bits of the floor where it sort of pops and, like the floor didn't wasn't stick stuck down properly there was some un- unevenness that uh was there when it was applied and it, it just didn't quite work and we're like, okay, like we don't really care, but like for resale value, like this is concerning. Uh and so we tried to talk to uh the the, the person uh with whom we are realtor to get in contact with the contractor who did the floor and we tried for like months and months and months and got super frustrated because just absolutely no communication, no contact. And I was like, all right, this is ridiculous. We, if we want to get this fixed, it needs to get fixed uh we can't just like wait a, a whole year uh so i reached out to a different email and the guy responded instantly and was just like oh hey yeah what's the problem i can be there later this week take a look at it and he came today and he's like oh yep yep uh yep definitely i can see what the problem is we can definitely fix that we'll make it right you come at the end of the month i'm like great uh is, is this going to cost anything what's this going to be and it's like nope nope no cost we're just gonna fix it because it you know it, it's our thing i was just like damn like that's Good business, good work, and and my guess is that our realtor just never even contacted the the contractor, because if he's this responsive, like, literally, like, hours later, it's like, oh, yeah, when can I come over to look at the, the problem you're having? I'm like, oh, wow, like, just honest, solid contractor did the work at the best possible price, did the work well in a day, is going to make the problem that he did right? And I was just like, damn, like, that is... I'm just like very heartened by this after all the horror stories you hear about, um, you know, contractors and business and getting homework done. So uh, yeah, I am, I am, I am ranting uh, the working man. This is a working man podcast and uh, 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 maybe the peasant should learn to read. I I don't know if it, if it, uh, you know, helps improve or maybe they don't need to read. I I don't know. Uh, Who knows? I don't know if he's literate. I didn't ask. Um, uh, uh, Anyway. Uh, <laughs> this is already classist So uh, for everyone Here at the Problem with 3 Podcast I'm Brevin I'm Steven And uh, communism is A properly done wooden floor
1: And it's a conceptual framework that you need to know
0: And I rate that Mystery egg shots Flailing